Welcome back to Adulthood Friends. This is the discussion-based podcast where two former childhood acquaintances, now friends, and Brad Hi. <laughs> discuss the, the things that adverb. Brad, give us another adverb. Astonishingly. Astonishingly. Nice. The things that astonishingly matter. Oh, astonishingly is your adverb of the week. And I'm Aya. I'm Josh. I'm Brad. <laughs> and today we've got part two of our discussion with Brad about following your passion. Should I say the questions again? No, we should just continue following. We should just let's just follow. Let's okay. just keep following his passion. Keep following his passion. All right. I'm trying to follow let's... this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. We're so professional. And we're back. Ah, it's so good to be back. Isn't it good to be back, Brad? Oh my God, that was such a long wait. <laughs> I have bed sores. Oh my God. I'm not even in bed. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you, Brad. Yes. So following, I mean, I found that to be quite tragic, but like, what was your state of mind after you lost that laptop and you lost that entire film? Because I would be horribly depressed about that. Like, how did you, how did you feel and how did you get out of that? Oh, I was devastated. Devastated. I mean, outside of just losing the thing that held on to your passions, you, know, you lost the tool you used for making them. Oh. I mean, you could also be like, hey, there were some family photos on there. Oh, and you just moved as well. Yeah, I just, that was actually kind of the spooky thing more than anything. I had just moved to Toronto. I was only just starting to get into PAing. Actually, I hadn't even landed my first job yet. So I was like, cool, I have no money. I just lost my laptop. I was just like... I'm fucked. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. And you didn't follow that guy home. I mean, that's probably the smart thing. That was the smart thing. I had two other people with me where I was just like, I was going to do that. And uh, okay. again, and they were just like, don't. don't I want to live in a world where that guy gets punished. You know, it just pisses me off. Yeah. But there's justice. No. Or maybe you could ask him like, hey, you do you want some money? Do you want like the actual laptop? Just give me my stuff back. I just want nerd alert. All I want oh, is yeah. nerd alert. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I said that, but they had already been caught and kind of a lie, oh. but they were doubling down on it. I'd be like, I don't know. What, what about your dicks? About. Oh yeah, yeah, terrible people. people. Toronto sucks. No, just kidding. <laughs> Saying that, I love Toronto, and that's probably <laughs> one of the worst things that I've had happen to me in this city since being here. It's actually quite a lovely city. Yeah, when it came to the personal projects, what hurt was losing that film and not being able to follow through on it. But it, it was also just losing the tool to keep doing stuff. Like I, I love writing out on notebooks and stuff like that. But I was like, I need something to be working with. I need to type these scripts out. And But that was at least replaceable ultimately, right? At the end of the day, that was replaceable. So when I moved to Toronto and started working in the industry, that I started just making that my main focus was one, I needed money so I could buy a new laptop. So I was trying really hard just to get a job. As I said before, I started working as a background actor. So what did I start with? I, I was a Scottish guard on rain for, for a while. I was a photo double for a Martian Marine in the Expanse who gets crushed on re-entry. Oh my God. I, I've seen, I love the Expanse. <laughs> I watched crazy. all of it now. Oh. You worked on the Expanse for years, right? In one degree or another, I worked on every single season of the Expanse. So I was a background actor on the first season. Oh. I worked as a set PA for the season two 
full-time that made me part of the expanse family and while i moved on to other shows of my own in between whenever i was available and that show was running i was the term in the industry is a daily hire so whenever you need additional hands of help you can reach out for daily hires and on that show i was what would be called a perma daily where if i wasn't <laughs> working on one of my own full-time shows which at that point was kim's convenience Kim's convenience oh I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was. A, no, <laughs> I was begging so you to I, say, "Oh, I've watched that. I've yeah. heard of that. Sorry. It's it, it's a popular. Yeah. It's show. very popular, though. No, I've seen it. Like it's been advertised to me. I think I've watched like you know how Netflix plays something automatically sometimes. Yeah, they'll give you the clips of it. I, think but I watched like... that part, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. So it's like on my list for later. Yeah. Okay, watch that. But Aya, can I recommend that you watch The Expanse? Yes, watch because The Expanse, the Expanse is one of the best shows I've seen. What's it about? You liked Game of Thrones, right? People, yeah. this is not really accurate, but people like to call it Game of Thrones of space. Well, on that note, the, okay, so the writer of the books isn't a real person. It's That's a people. pseudonym for two people. Yeah. Okay. But one of those two people did work with George R. R. Martin on, oh, and, okay. hel oh. and helping develop Game of Thrones for television in the first couple of seasons. So there was oh. already a connection there. Is, there. there was a connection, a similarity yeah. of what they appreciated. Interesting. It's based on a series of books. I haven't read them. I hear they're amazing. And yeah. the show has now just ended after six seasons. Mm -hmm. There's more story in the books, like it continues in the books, but the show ended. And I have to say, unlike Game of Thrones, even though it did have a shortened final season of only six episodes, it ended well. It had like a great six season run. It's a really good show. I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Recommendation considered. It's a great show. And also Brad gets like murdered in it, right? Uh, I play a character, well, I photo double for a guy who literally just had his lungs crushed on re-entry into space. So I have to look for someone who kind of looks like you who gets killed. Oh, you won't see me. I remember I sat in a trailer for two days waiting to be used, and then oh, no. they ended up using a shot of just a body bag that was already closed. Oh, no. <laughs> so you don't even see me. Okay. I do get seen in a later episode where I just play a belter who's just like walking. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. So you, I'll look for that. A belter is one of the I don't know what that means. Yeah. people who live in the asteroid belt. The biggest show that you'll ever actually see me on camera in is the boys i have a full-on shot where i'm like here walking across oh. the you're in the boys i'm in the boys season one you watch the boys aya as an assistant director it's really fun aya what <laughs> i don't watch that much tv i'm sorry i watch mostly comedy these are some of the biggest shows. i mean the boys is actually super popular yeah. it's one of the most popular shows okay. that was a lot okay. of fun to work. It's, it's a cool show Cool show. Now Jensen Ackles is coming on in the third season. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm Supernatural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pulling everybody into the fray for that one. I never watched Supernatural. So as you can see, Brad is a famous person already. Famous? No, but I've done some stuff. Brad, I've always admired and respected how you... No, you like really got your stuff ingrained in the actual industry, you know? I personally, like, yeah, I went to USC and whatever, but I, I didn't like go and... I kind of didn't want to, I guess. I wanted to just do my own shit. Yeah, and that's what I envy about you. But I envy <laughs> the fact that you actually got, you get paid to work in the industry, right? Maybe it's not everything you want to do all the time, but at least you understand how the industry works at that level and you're making these real industry connections. You know, I'm kind of on the outskirts of it constantly because I, you know. Not for very long. You're doing quite well for yourself. <laughs> Ugh, just, no. Yeah, then we've got a few famous people here almost. Yeah. You're like, aren't yeah. you getting like a TV show produced or something? No, I mean, I hope oh, okay. <laughs> it's coming. until you see it actually on screen. Nothing is for sure in this industry. Okay. Okay. All the horror stories of even when you get to production on a 
project and you film it and then it gets pulled at the last second. Oh, uh, there's a lot of horror stories. There's horror yeah. stories of shooting the pilot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the Game of Thrones prequels they were making, they shot a $30 million, even maybe even more expensive. The actual Game of Thrones pilot, like the actual show, when you watch the pilot. Oh, that too. That's like 90% reshot. That's not what I'm talking about, oh. though. That happened there, too. But then they still made Game of Thrones. Yeah. This There's a Game of Thrones prequel coming up. There was going to be another yeah. one. Yeah. And they shot the pilot episode of that. They watch it. They're like, nah. Yeah. And they scrapped the whole show. Really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's yep. crazy, though. Because also, like, wouldn't they realize? That's $50 million or something? Man, that's. Oh, it's insane. I don't understand. And you just okay. scrap $50 million. I don't know. Anyway. That's initial. I would cost. at least release it. Also, like, for something that's. <laughs> People are definitely going to watch because how many people love Game of Thrones? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that good. Maybe they're right about that. But it's, well, it's the issues crazy. of what we can go down a Game of Thrones <laughs> rabbit hole. But this is what I used to love and do a nerd alert. But like, I would argue the fact that the reason when Game of Thrones started to spiral out was when they were just creating narratives without original source material to base it off of. Yeah, they weren't great with that later on. Strength. I and I just had a long conversation outside of the podcast. We had a long conversation about the end of Game of Thrones. Oh. Let's do it. But all right, let's scrap this whole topic. Let's just talk Game of Thrones for the next hour, okay? The reason I wouldn't talk about it only here is because I don't like to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, you know? Uh, I'll bleep that. (laughs) That's hilarious. How long has society had to come to terms with that? I don't care. That's so funny. That is literally what got spoiled for me. So I said I wouldn't. Josh was talking about that in our pet peeves episode. Yeah, we had a pet peeves episode. Mine was spoilers. One of them. That's so funny. So I'm totally going to bleep that. So wait, Brad, you already knew that that was like a big spoiler in Josh's life. Is that? No. Oh, that was No, just... I just know that that's a big spoiler that everybody That's is. so funny. Oh my God. It's like a joke spoiler people, but I don't believe in that. I don't want to ruin experiences. For and you're like, it's not a joke to me. It's, it's one of my <laughs> so favorite real. troll. I don't know if you've ever seen it on YouTube, but it was after the book came out. There was everybody was in line at every chapters or every bookstore to get a copy of like Half-Blood Prince. And I remember somebody put a video on YouTube of them sitting in their car, opening the last chapter right after buying the book, then doing a drive-by past one of the lines of people oh. writing to buy the books and just shouting, kills and then there's just people online just start throwing shit at Yeah. Oh, I'm going to bleep every one of those when I... Uh... Josh would be so... Yeah, yeah. Josh, can you imagine if you were one of those people? You'd be like running right, right. after the car like, how could you? Like the T-1000. But I did it to myself. I was like looking through forms at the time and I caught it that way before I read oh, it. It was horrible. That's self-inflicted. That's your own. A little bit. It was... I mean, I wasn't looking for it, but I shouldn't it's have... It's like Wings by Suicide. Mm. Like you. <laughs> yeah. You should have known. The title. I should have known... What are we talking about again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were encouraging watching The Expanse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you worked on all these amazing shows and you work now. That's what you do now, right? You work in the industry. So uh, officially what I do know, yes. I'm an assistant director. AD. An AD, uh, short form, so I don't have to keep saying it over again, uh, in the Toronto film industry. I've been very fortunate. I've, I've worked on some pretty cool fun stuff, some fun stories. And so much of it has been, I mean, it's a fulfillment to a degree of, as we say, our passions of like... I love this industry. I've always loved film and television to be a part of it and be working with people that I grew up watching shows yeah. or watching them act for so long and to have to actually like work and have a dialogue with them about what we're doing mm-hmm. has been an awesome, fulfilling thing. And yet at the same time, once you start doing it and you get into the machine, it becomes its own. It becomes also the thing that stops you from 
doing your own project sometimes because there's an irony in that, right? There's an irony in it that it's so all consuming. Like in the States, there was all the talk about the state of the industry and uh, with the IATSE unions and them trying to renegotiate working hours and stuff like that. It's really tough working hours in the industry. It, I, like it's, it's killing people. Like it's crazy. It can be anywhere 12 to 20 something hours a day, depending on how these shows decide to run themselves. And yeah, oftentimes dictated by their budget. And I remember I came back well, I came back to visit a couple times and I met up with you. And recently we met up again and talked about this. But I remember coming back a previous time and you were getting murdered with work. I probably didn't look great. <laughs> you were just like the amount of hours they have you working and into the nights. You had these passion projects you wanted to do and you weren't able to get to this was before Moore's Void mm -hmm. before you were able to make Moore's Void I think you wanted to do it and you couldn't I had like two or three projects lined up I think it took almost like four years of being in the industry before mm -hmm. stuff actually got moving yeah by the way, fun story, fun aside, Brad actually came to Los Angeles at one point <laughs> with your significant other at the time. <laughs> this is so we had planned to meet up in Los Angeles. Uh -huh. And I was at USC at the time editing, I think I was editing my thesis film. I must have been my I thesis think, yeah, film. That's what you were working yeah. on. And so I was like, yeah, we'll contact each other after this and we'll meet up. It was loosey goosey. We knew we were going to hang out. That was always a part of the plan, but we didn't like firm time. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm down there. I'm editing. And it turns out the cell reception down there sucks so bad. <laughs> and, but it didn't just suck like, oh, your message didn't get through. I would send a message or he would send a message and I'd get it like half an hour or an hour later. Yep. Oh. And I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I had made plans to like hang out with Brad. And I thought like when I'd sent the message, I thought by the time I got out of there, I thought, okay, he's ready to see me now. He had sent it like an hour or two before. Yeah. Brad had actually gone to my house. I was sitting in your living room. With you were one in of my house roommate. with my roommates, <laughs> but then you had to go. But before I even got back. Oh, yeah. And so I like... got back to the house. Brad was gone. Everybody had met Brad. Mm -hmm. Brad had met my roommates. <laughs> Brad was in my house. Everybody but you met Brad. But we never saw yeah. each other when he visited Los Angeles. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it was two passing ships in the night that yeah. were just that was... shining warning beacons at each other, but on different axes. Yeah. So they never met. Oh, you know what they call where I edit down there? They call it the dungeon. Yeah. It really felt like that. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Hey, it was still a good trip. But yeah, bummer. We didn't get to hang out. But that was that was fun. Out <laughs> at least we get this story but this was the thing where like i work in the industry so coming to visit i'm sure you had like the reaction of like oh somebody's visiting la maybe they want to go check out the studios and you're like hey brad you want to go check out like the universal lot or something and i was like no dear god no <laughs> <laughs> you're like i don't that's work related for me yeah yeah no, i just i just flew out from working at pinewood i do not remotely yeah. want to check out the studio so that's the thing it becomes a new normal for... well i was gonna ask like has working in the industry kind of ruined bits of like the magic i was gonna ask this too of what your passion was right like because now it's a job yeah there's some people they say like when you do something certain things that you're passionate about when you do it as work for some people mm. that ruins it for them does it do that for you or do you still find that it's still your passion and you're happy to work in it? It's still 100% my passion, but where it did start to do so, I don't watch television like I used to, mm -hmm. which is a bit of a bummer because I would passionately get onto all the big stuff, which I do. I still get involved in like the big kind of like cultural phenomenon stuff because, you know, they're big for a reason and they're fun and it's easier for me to disassociate. But there's only a handful of things I've worked on that I can actually watch 
because it's hard to disassociate. The Expanse, though, come on, you can watch that. The Expanse, I can. Yes, the Expanse is one of them. What we do in the shadows and Kim's Convenience are the other ones. That oh, I can... what we do in the shadows. I don't know if I need to watch the show still. I've seen the oh, it's movie. So good. It's so good. I know. I know it's good. I have friends who edited that. What? Who? 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 Antonia DeBarros. Do you know who that is? The name is insanely familiar. I've probably seen it on documents, but never actually. Antonia, <laughs> yeah. Well, she's in the US. Yeah. But she's edited on that. I, she do it. I don't know. She's worked her way up. She's done more and more for that show. I went to school with her. I went to USC with her. That's amazing. Oh, very cool. Very There's cool. some interesting like connections. The world. It's a, small, it's a small film world. It is. It, it's smaller than most people think. <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because to get into that film world, you have to pursue a passion that society tells you is not worthwhile. It's a grind. Yeah, there you go. Nice plug for the episode. Boom. Boom. It's a grind. Like, I'd say that once I started actually trying to do it, it felt easier to get into than I anticipated. Because once I just said, oh, I want to do this. And then I was like, oh, the Directors Guild of Canada has like a three-day training course that you just need to pass it. And then you can just- The DGC. The DGC, yeah. Once you just pass that general test, you can start handing out your name and try and get on sets. And at that point, it's just, it's up to you to just be slightly competent while you're on a set. I remember my very first day on a set was still one of the longest days I've ever worked in my life. It was on the show Lost Girl. I remember they were having some difficulties with their AD team at the time. And so there was some turnover that was literally happening the moment I showed up. I feel like that's often how it happens. Wait, you get. I've seen Lost Girl. Yeah. That's one show I've actually seen. <laughs> yeah. She's... It's about a succubus. Yeah. She's a really yeah. good actress. I watched like a full, at least a full season of that. I know oh, nice. of, all the, of all the shows Bo. you've seen that you've mentioned. <laughs> that's that the one. one. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. like sucks the energy out of yep. people kind of. It's a succubus. Like, generates succubus. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the life force out of them. Sorry, Test I didn't mean sex. to. But I was like, no. I actually know this one for once. I see nothing. But mm. yeah, Lost Girl. It was good. Well, I was thinking, Brad, that's how it works because like I feel like a lot of my friends and people I know that when they actually finally get in somewhere it's because a few reasons one like somebody was in a position and they you know someone died or someone left or someone and you end up taking that position or it's such a shitty position because so many problems are happening and nobody wants to do it and you're like fuck it I'll do it <laughs> and that's how you get in that was pretty much it I was brought in to be uh just a daily they're like hey can you babysit the background actors to help get them ready and walk them in and they knew I was like brand new out of the guild apprentice program and as it happened I remember the third AD Lauren Guyatt who I've worked with for years she's an incredible woman she came down sick that afternoon so she had to go and then the other daily that was really seasoned veteran that was in there to help them that day he had something happen with a family member, so he had to go. And I was already in there replacing their set PA who they had let go because he fell asleep on the job. <laughs> really? oh, Look at what had to happen for this yeah. to happen. Like, mm. And there was a fourth person who genuinely got fired that day that I was there. Wow. And I was just like, what have I done? What industry am I in? What is going on? <laughs> Imagine that just keeps happening and you're like, uh, Brad, you're going to have to direct this. <laughs> oh, not that far, but by the end of the day, it was probably a 19 hour day. And I remember 19 hours, Jesus. Yeah. And so like, again, this was my first time on a set that long. I just, my brain was just like, what is this? What's happening? Oh my 
God, am I ever going to leave here again? Is this just, is this just my life <laughs> this now? This is my life now. <laughs> I'm in this dark corner of a room hitting a buzzer that turns on the red light whenever you're rolling and like calling lockups. And... Doesn't everyone need to sleep? That seems so, 19 hours? What is up with people? You're supposed to get, so you get turnaround. So you get, okay. in Canada, it's about 10 hours of turn. So you're guaranteed that okay. like once you've wrapped, you get 10 hours to go get some sleep and then come back and do it all again. Okay. But then you end up doing it on a show that's like five, six months and oh, that's a burnout. Yeah. And you experienced a bunch of burnout. After that show, I my health was not good. <laughs> I was not in great shape when I finished it. I mean, you still looked super hot. I saw you. No, I did not. You looked fantastic. <laughs> no, I did not. I definitely never like, once made a dent. No, I was <laughs> gaunt and I just looked like I had probably damaged my kidneys because I was too afraid to say when I had to use the bathroom. Oh no. <laughs> you know what? I couldn't see your kidneys. You can see them, but you could see like the color of my face disorienting from just like not going to the bathroom when I should. I don't know. Then you would have been you were ready perfect to move to, on to Whitehaven. You would have been able to come yeah, to Whitehaven. Nah. There you go. Were you gonna make oh, that joke? Yes, I was. <laughs> circle. We made it. <laughs> I remember the end of that day, it was like 7.30 in the morning and there was nobody left on the team. And the job in our department is at the end of the day, you have to fill out like all the paper documents of like, this is everybody who is, all the actors finished rapping at this time. And these crew members are at this time. And you submit it to production at the end. For a guy who had never been on set before and had just been up for 19 hours sitting there and they're like, hey, Brad, you can fill this out. And I was just like, what is this thing? <laughs> this seems really important. Why am I being asked <laughs> to fill this out? <laughs> oh man. So one of the other ADs that was there at the time, he was what they call a second AD who's in charge of making the call sheet for the next day. He was just kind of looking at me and kind of a, uh, it was like, all right, way to go. Maybe I'll see you again or probably not, whatever. And I took a cab ride home with him, but he said bye to me in a way that he never expected to see me again ever. Like, <laughs> assuming that he had just like ruined my life that day. But then I got a phone call like later that week because they had so much turnover. They're like, hey, are, are you available for like the next three months? Oh, wow. That's how it happens. And so like I did one, <laughs> so I know so many people, like I have so many colleagues that at this time in the industry, big to different now, Toronto is booming. Mm -hmm. You've got Netflix and so many other big mm -hmm. producers that are coming to Toronto that it's it's now a very massive hub that's up there with LA and Atlanta. It's huge. It's like Toronto, LA, Atlanta are like for North America, yeah. the three big spots. To, Vancouver too, Canada. maybe, right? Vancouver's got it as well. And then you have your pockets and New York got its own thing as well too yeah but uh, at the time this is circa 2013 summer 2013 there were people around me that were still talking about the effect that SARS had <laughs> because it kind of was so devastating to the industry and that mm. you would have these big lulls where we get really slow and quiet yeah thankfully we haven't had to deal with any pandemic stuff since then oh yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> I can't lie that's why like going into this pandemic I was like prepared because I knew that it was like our industry really suffered for a pandemic that never happened. So when this one actually happened, everybody was just like, all right, buckle in, get your savings, cover each other. And then we've been planning for something like this to happen because we saw how devastating it was last time. Reconsider your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For so many people at that point when starting, you could go months of just doing dailies before you got a full-time gig. And I just lucked out that I got one daily on a show that was having such turnover. And then all of a sudden I just was full-time in the- And you were in. Full-time was in. And once you're kind of in, and as long as you're a competent and a decent person- They call you up. It's all about word of mouth, networking, knowing people. And that's all it is from now on. Yeah. And I can say from experience, you are the most pleasant person to work with in the world. Fuck you, Josh. So like, and the fact is like getting things- <laughs> You are. No, honestly, <laughs> at the end of the day, you want to work with people you want to work with. That's 100% it. You just, when you're working the hours that you do in the film industry- <laughs> 
being a piece of shit <laughs> doesn't yeah, help. You don't want to work 19 hour strategy. days with pieces of shit. You don't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> 19 hours a day for sometimes six months at a time. Uh, you, you don't better get along be working with each with other. A piece of shit. Yeah. Like anybody you work with who's in a position of hiring is like, I'll take the person who's not as good at their job, but I can tolerate having to work wow. with them as closely as I have to. But I'm sure that you are good at your job too. I, I try to be. <laughs> I try my best. Look, you're modest. Mm. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> so you've been doing this now for a number of years. I was going into my ninth year. Ninth, ninth year of this. How did Moore's Void come about? And now uh, we can talk about something we've yeah, you know, yeah. I have so, seen and I've seen. No, fair. I've seen Lost Girl. We can keep talking about that. Don't there we go. Lost yeah, Girl. let's totally talk about Lost Girl. I haven't seen Lost Girl. <laughs> talk about working with Eric Roberts. Oh, I worked. I worked. Well, okay, I didn't work with Eric Roberts. I wrote something that Eric Roberts was in. Uh, oh. I think you told me this story. Was this the problem? Yeah, I wrote the James Franco thing. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a feature adaptation of a book by James Franco. That was the first feature I'd really written. It got produced, co-written. And yeah, Eric Roberts was fantastic in it. He's a f- I heard some stories about what he's like mm-hmm. to work with, but he's I- a interesting person to work with. He's Julia Roberts' brother, right? Yes, yes. Like he is incredibly talented. He's just a fascinating person to work with. I wish I could tell some of the stories he told me, but I probably I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we, we care about your career. How about don't? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep him quiet. But yeah, <laughs> tell us after we stop recording. I'll say he's interesting. <laughs> like obviously, I had to ask him about working on the Dark Knight, and even then, he had some stories. That I'm like, I'm gonna not put that on air. I would love to share it with everyone. <laughs> Look at you though, Brad. You were so into Batman. You talk about this stuff like it was up out there actually you have a batman t-shirt on when you do the uh we drink films i do <laughs> actually yeah, yeah i do yeah i lost that shirt but i loved it isn't that amazing that it, you don't know this is like it's up there in fantasy land and now mm-hmm. you're working with people who are in the things that you love oh yeah what we do in the shadows was huge for that if any show i worked on that had me just have one of those like holy shit you know going from nerd alert to that moment i was working with jermaine clement from flavor concords yeah and oh i mean he's what we do in the shadows that's so yeah. cool <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. Oh, Check I should watch. I do like him. I like Flight of the Concourse. It's like The Office with vampires. It's 100%. <laughs> okay. It's The Office with vampires. And so we were doing this scene in an office that was just like The Office. That was kind of the gag. And Jemaine was directing this episode. And- Jemaine. Jemaine. And, you know, it's totally doing. There was just a sequence where one of the characters on the show is what they call an energy vampire, where he just bores you to death with the most mundane, monotonous mm. conversation. And as you just get so tired of the conversation, that's him sucking life force out of you and feeding <laughs> off oh, of it. No, and so we, I had to work one-on-one with Jermaine and do the sequence of this energy vampire going around the office, just trying to like be like, hey, TGI Friday, finger guns to people. And they would just be so like cringed by it that it would just suck the life force out of them and they black <laughs> and die <laughs> and so that was just one of those moments where i'm just like oh my god it's fucking jermaine and yeah you know, work with him and then he's giving me notes on who to work with and i'm like working with him just setting up this whole big dynamic wonder of this shot walking through this office and it's just one of those moments where i'm like oh, okay it's, this is a pretty cool gig and then i think it was two weeks later mark hamill yeah, Mark Hamill ended up having a guest spot on the show. And it was like Luke Skywalker himself. Oh God. Cool. That show goes for it. When they want to get an actor, they'll just go for it. Wow. So look at that. Look, I just seen that journey from like yeah. you're working on yeah. things with your heroes. And then next thing you know, you're standing right next to him. I was like, oh my God, this, this, is, this is fucking real. Okay, cool. Is it hard to still work? I'd be like, um, I don't know it, um, right now with these people <laughs> near me. <laughs> yes and no. I would say that I've gotten used to it. So I've learned that through a couple of cases of, I'd say like the biggest 
the most starstruck I've actually been on set wasn't Mark Hamill. It was Adam Savage. Adam Savage. From Mythbusters. I struggled real hard that day. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a big idol of mine. He's, I think he's a genius. I mean, Brad, never lose that like wonder and enthusiasm you have. Oh, it's so exciting. But at the same time- People when, can lose that in the industry, you know? It's easy to get jaded when you work in this industry. It very much is. And I've watched it happen with some people. And I've had experiences where myself, when I've been on a show for so long, and it can be a bit of a grind and i've had those moments myself where i'm like oh my god what am i doing this is such bullshit okay cool but you keep coming back but you come you got to shake yourself and put it into perspective that it's a super unique opportunity and everything is a job at some point but you know i'm incredibly lucky to be doing a job that is in the world of something that i am so passionate about is it still like you're in the world of something you're passionate about but it's not quite that thing, right? Like when you made Moore's Void, that was the thing. And that right? was it. Like, that's exactly it. Because there's still that extra gear. If anything, when I'm surrounded by so many people that are working and doing the directing and stuff like that, that in itself is motivation. It's school. Just, it, it's school. I'm learning. I'm watching other people like, okay, this is how they work. This is the right way to do it. I'm seeing people very seasoned, do incredibly things that I never thought of. And I'm watching some people that are just making some stupid, stupid mistakes. Mm. Like I've been in positions with directors that I've sat with where you know they're directors that know how to work with actors but they don't know a thing about shots and setting up and blocking and vice versa and so i've like there's been times where i've sat with a director and i've literally drawn out on a map this is how you have to shoot it like this you're is literally you being an assistant <laughs> director <laughs> <laughs> like we have three hours to get this scene done and we're already two hours behind yeah eventually you're like it should be me in that seat like i yeah. need to be doing this i know what to do yeah you feel that you never say it <laughs> uh, you use it as motivation for when you want to get to doing your own projects yeah sorry your initial question was Moore's void yeah so how did that come about then so that was a project like i would say going back to nerd alert when i finally started like falling in love with writing and doing things again there was a handful of stories that i really hung on to as like oh these are some big world building things i'd love to try and do those ended up being stories that were in the back of my mind for a decade if not more once i started working on the expanse i had had well, I have this big world-built narrative that I want to do that I know would just cost a fortune borderline like Game of Thrones avatar type budget. So it's like, cool, I will never be able to make that as a first project. That's not realistic. What's something that I can steal from this world that is like a nugget of something that's that's crucial for that world that I can also do on a macro level to help just act as a launching point, as a piece of world building. You're being strategic in that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Like I said, when I got out of film school, I never wanted to be an AD. I wanted to write and I wanted you to- You weren't like, ah, oh, when I grow up, I want to be an AD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a job until today. Like all so. the other kids? <laughs> Coming like out of film school, if you would ask me if there was any department I didn't want to do, it was assistant directing because it was the antithesis of the creative side of things. Mm. That's an irony that every AD wants to be a director. Mm-hmm. They keep getting jobs as ADs because they're... Because they don't get looked at like, uh, they don't get looked at like creatives. Mm-hmm. Whereas like my logic for it at the time was I felt confident in my abilities to create and make something up. But the logistics of stuff, like building my schedules, my call sheets, or when I am writing something, am I writing something that's just stupidly unfeasible? I wanted to have a better understanding of that. Now, at the time, the Director's Guild was an easier avenue for me to try to get into just to get on set proper. But seeing that, I was like, that might also be a smart move for me because I know that's my weakness right now. So I can get a job in a department where I'm forced to interact with every possible department. Mm. That's smart. Again, strategic. Yeah. 
I can use that for networking to meet everybody that I want to befriend. And, and then you can use them in your project. That was exactly it. That was the hope and the idea of like, I could make good friends working in the industry of every department and then be like, Hey, I got this thing I'm trying to do. And I really admire that. I really admire that a lot. Uh, thank you. But it was a long game strategy. And I might say that I've had too much patience with some of this stuff because I sit on it and I'll just wait till I feel ready. And the first project I did, I didn't even direct it. It was something I wrote well in film school oh. and I sat on it and I gave it to someone else. That's the one you did with Mitch? Yes, with Mitch, where he played a sniper. It was the whole play on the story of Prometheus, but it was just like paralleled with a, a sniper and a deserter in World War II. Well, that sounds cool. You wrote this, right? And somebody else directed it. Yes, a good friend of mine, uh, Jeff Brownell. But even then, that was a big educational experience. Uh, actually, the whole thing was shot by the camera team from The Expanse. Like it was The Expanse's That's so camera. Cool. That's so cool. That's cool. We had rented a camera and then the Sim Digital called us like the day before we were supposed to shoot and be like, uh, you're not going to believe this. Somebody stole our camera. Like they took it out with a bogus credit card and we're not going to get it back. But that was the camera that we had put aside for you guys. Oh. And we were like, and we don't have anything else in house for you guys this weekend. And it was just like, <laughs> so we had just rented the location. What's it with you getting shit stolen? Yeah, when you, what like that? what's going on? I don't on? know. I don't know. <laughs> Brad, you're too good a person to have this kind of luck. It's not fair. Well, we lucked out because one, we got our, we, we purchased production insurance That's good. and the camera team that Jeff, who was the third AD on the expanse at the time while I was working on as a PA, him and I became good friends. And he was doing a similar thing. We were kind of like, we were mirroring each other and I was learning from him and he was, this was his first kind of- uh, By the way, PA, production assistant. Production uh, assistant, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I knew that. I can see her brain not understanding a lot of the acronyms for things. You so. can't see my brain. I can Catch, catch me on that because I'll say it so colloquially. No, it was fine. I do think it. we actually said what PA was before. Anyways. Maybe oh, we did. It, there's a whole other language that is used in- the industry that's just again industry colloquialism yeah yeah when that happened because we were using the actual operators of the camera they were going to help us shoot the show the producer of the show just said you can use our camera just bring it back monday because they knew that the people that we were going to be operating with were the people who knew how to take care of it awesome okay so (laughs) so what was the name of that movie yeah heightened down heightened down i saw that that was very cool it was interesting one it was a unique story and then the next one you did but the one you directed was Moore's Void the one I directed was Moore's Void so I was a writer producer on that and I was learning as Jeff was going through the process of finding who he was going to get to be his DP and just picking the team and the staff and we worked together on just that idea of trying to get something up and running and while that was happening I was like okay I gotta what's the baby I want to get going on and I knew I had this other narrative that I've been world building I figured that was something I would have. That was a world I wanted to play in. I could find a nice little intimate story to work with. Mm -hmm. Now, Moore's Void is uh, about a grieving mother who found out on the day at her son's funeral that he had visited this place that was essentially a life insurance clinic. I'm doing quotation marks as I say that. Something that shadows is something like that. A place that claims to copy and store your consciousness ally. But it's a play on Moore's Law, the notion that while the technology doesn't exist to maybe give you a body that we can put this copy of you in yet, that doesn't mean that the technology isn't going to be there with eventual exponential growth down the line. So if you sign this contract where you give us a boatload of money that can be a down payment towards paying off a body, we'll copy and store you now. Or you could sign this lease option 
where we'll copy and store you. And then we're going to give you kind of a shoddy workman's body. And then you can just pay off your debt whenever we get around to building it. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. It's just this conversation between a mother who's trying to figure out if this place is just selling snake oil. Or whether her son is actually there. there. Her dead son. Yeah. So essentially, she's trying to grill the individual who's representing this front and to figure out one of it's real and if it's not to probably want to beat the shit out of him for <laughs> grifting her dying child mm-hmm. and if it happens to be true you know mm-hmm. the notion of being able to talk with a lost loved one again yeah. and I was like okay cool that's got some meat to it and like I won't do it they to give away the little twist ending that's there but it's got a lot of to think about in it and if I yeah. do a good job with the dialogue and if I the idea was like okay cool I've got this something I can do with like two or three actors. I just got to find a good set. I can network. If I can get the right people involved, I can make it look really good. The idea was I wanted to do it at this point, having been in the industry four or five years, I wanted to do it on an industry level. So I wanted to shoot with all the proper cameras that I've been working with for the last few years. And you did. It looks good. <laughs> Thank you. Credit to Fraser Brown, my director of photography. He's fantastic. I met him while working on Kim's Convenience, but right now he's working on Titans and wow. Angels and Demons TV series. In fact, I think he just got nominated for a CSA, but he's incredibly talented and just it's so great to work with him. But that was the idea. That was the first time I had gone through like ACTRA, which is the equivalent to of SAG in the States of just the actors union. Oh, right. To find these professional. Yeah. Yeah. How do I reach out now? Granted my lead actor, I kind of knew him as a shorthand because I had worked with him on another show. So that I cheated and I just went right to him and said, Hey, would you be willing to do this? And he was like, Oh my God, this is great. Yeah. Let's yeah he do was it. great. He was really good. Yeah, he was. Oh, so much. I liked him a lot. Yeah. He did an incredible job. He, his name was uh, Barry Flatman. He's been in the industry for so long. He's, I've seen he's him like in things can- before. He's like a Canadian Martin Short or not Martin Short. Uh, Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Brad voices are coming out, <laughs> right? Oh man, if you just want me to do impressions all day, I can do. Let's it. hear that. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Scrap fun. this podcast. Let's just hear your impressions. Gordon, stupid fat hobbitses, you ruined it. Wicked, Tracy. Anyways, cool, cool. So fucking good. That's uncanny. That's actually, yeah. Like I, a lot of people have like the precious, but it's not even close. No, that was that's like one of the best impressions I've ever heard. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Precious. Wow. Yeah, I wish I could do it for video games. (laughs) Going through the unions, that was all about the practice of trying to, because at the end of the day, so often short films, you appreciate them for what they are, but more often than not, they're just a very glorified business card. Yeah. To be all like, I know what I'm doing. If you give me the tools, I can direct good actors. I can pick cool shots. Yeah, here's what I I can can do. Edit this in a dynamic way. This is just a showcase to be like, Mm -hmm. hey, give me a shot. Or at least when you got your next thing, your next passion project, you're like, I want to go into this one. And I obviously have to ask you for money if you're going to a producer. Yeah. They're going to be like, screw off. I don't know anything about you. You'd be like, here, check out this short film. And Mm -hmm. they'll look at it and be like, oh, okay, maybe you do know a little thing or two. So Mm -hmm. a greater likelihood of being able to do it. So after you shot this thing, how did you feel about your like emotionally what was that feeling or at least after you shot it after it went through the festival circuit and it's been going through the festival circuit 
how did that affect your life course, your journey here? What you roller coaster? Are you like, yes, I'm doing exactly what I want to do? Is it turning out the way I thought? The spectrum of emotion that could come about with a project like this, I've hit everything. After finishing filming it, like the hours of driving home after, you're exhausted and you're running on pure adrenaline. Oh yeah, while you're finishing it, yeah. When you've just finished filming and you know you got it in the can, you're just overwhelmed with excitement and gratitude. Your body hurts after, right? Yeah, body like, but at the same hurts. time, I. Yeah, like, you know, that's when you start having the come down from the adrenaline you're riding. The adrenaline all At the same time, time, like, you know, the DIT show, sorry, the guy who runs the Digital data. imaging technician. Yeah. So when he collects all the footage that you've just shot, sometimes they can put like a little bit of a filter on it, basically like an Instagram filter. And it just, just to give you a sense of, of what it's going to look like and he excites yeah, you. You look at those first couple of shots and you're like, oh my God, this thing that I've been imagining for years and I've been spending so much time developing and really like it's right there it's right there oh my god okay is that confirm it to you is that like fuck yeah this is exactly what I should be doing you feel validated yeah yeah you're just like okay I can do this I've got something good there like if, if I don't fuck it up it's there and so then then you start having that pressure you're like okay cool I've got the tools there now don't fuck it up the editing process for it was brutal because it was a case of I was, it was too close to home for me where like I wrote it and I directed it right and then I edited the entire thing by myself I didn't have you're too passionate about it you're too, too passionate about it and so forgive my uh crude language in describing it but when you get into the editing process and you start like getting into tunnel vision and hyper focusing on every single frame poorly call it you call it frame fucking where you're just no, like I know. so analyze you're over analyzing you think just changing a single not yeah. the worst thing we said on the show yeah frame fucking but by one frame you think it completely changes the entire film for you it does but to anybody yeah. you show it to they won't notice at all imagine yeah. Aya every single frame you start like being uncertain of like there's a right or wrong in your mind mm. and you go back and forth forever going should I cut here should I cut there should I cut here mm. should I cut so there like, is this right is that wrong let me show 10 people 10 anything people. I've done with you, Josh. I feel like you apply that. Like I frame fuck that everything. Kind of obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> I frame fuck everything. Not hard and everyone. to transfer that to. That sounds to terrible. Frames of a, of a video. <laughs> I can be like that a little bit. Okay. I feel like I'm. You get into it. Oh yeah. I get do. into it for sure. <laughs> I mean, I ultimately make decisions <laughs> mm -hmm. one way or another. I tend to ask people to help me out, kind of lead me down a path. And that's the hard part because sometimes like that was a struggle for me. It was so often my mistake was I showed it to too many people. Mm -hmm. like, and they had too many like, different ideas. Back, well, it's either know. too many different opinions or in most of the cases, it would just be like, oh yeah, it's great. No, this is awesome. And I'd be like, I don't want you to tell me that. I want you to tell me what's not working. Mm. Like where but you they, have issues with that. I never have issues with people telling me what's not working. Yeah, no, like I was like, tell me where it's falling apart because I don't feel it's there yet and I want to have a conversation about it and see what I can do to fix it. Wanted honest feedback. Yeah, I want it's hard to get honest feedback sometimes. Really? Who do you know? <laughs> no, no. It, well, it's interesting. He knows the, nicer people. I yeah, but that's you know I went to USC. Everyone can't wait to tell you all the things that are wrong with everything. I don't know. Maybe hey, if you ever from... need honest feedback, I'm yeah, I will give perfect. you honest feedback. <laughs> Thank you. I'm incapable of that. <laughs> it might be a thing of working with like other Canadian filmmakers for sometimes yeah, it's just I nice think people. Of, I think of like Midnight in Paris for sometimes like they will. Oh, I haven't seen that yet, so oh. no spoilers. You haven't seen Midnight in Paris? I'm going to see it. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God, Josh. That's one of the few movies I think I've seen that you haven't now. So. Uh, there you it's go. It's like one of those rules of don't ask for tips on writing from a fellow writer sort of idea. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so I think we've gotten to the present time here, basically, right, Brad? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Before we talk about what's next, I wanted to ask you a question or two. Yep. Because we just followed with you your journey of your passion <laughs> up to this point. And I want to know, first of all, 
are you happy that you did? And second, what are the consequences do you think if you didn't? Ooh. Or if you don't continue to? To follow your- To follow the passion, yeah. Yeah. So am I happy I did it? Absolutely. I'm so happy. No regrets. No regrets. Well, I, I, no, no regrets. You can always find. We just talked about that in our last episode. You can always have things you want to nitpick and things you might want to change, but they happen the way they did. And with where it's gone, like Moore's Wood has done well in the festival circuit. And for me, it was, again, like I said, trying to work with my colleagues, my coworkers. I've, I've got myself into the actual industry. And my strategy was, you know, am I necessarily trying to make a film to go on the festival circuit to network with people in LA or, or whatever, or Vancouver? or Boston, not necessarily. I work with a, the industry that I plan on living and continuing to work with. And you're already there in a way. You just I'm there, want but to do I a want position. But you, but it's convincing those that you know you're not a cog in the machine. You can actually be looked at as a creative. See, I've admired that you really. I mean, there's a ladder climbing element to it, mm -hmm. and you climbed it well. Like you're climbing it well. You're doing it right. In, in my eyes, like what I've seen to people do it. I'm aging too quickly. <laughs> no, I think you, you again, you look hot. <laughs> I always wanted to like, I don't know, and I might be wrong. We'll find out at the end of my life. But like, I wanted to like find a side door and do it my own way. And we'll see if but that's, that works for me. There's many ways to go about these things I hear. But that's, I, did, I never got to say that. I only briefly said it earlier was that like I have always kind of envied that about yourself was like when I've been on a show for three, four months and I've, you know, just been backdoor writing notes in my phone about the script that I'm wanting to be working on or just when, when I have time, I'll get to that. And then, you know, you're pumping out like your fourth film in a couple of months and, huh. uh, you know, you're getting millions of views on YouTube. It's just like, oh my God, I just wish I was just making shit. I just want to be making stuff. You know, be nicer, millions of dollars. The traction that you're getting though, man, is huge. Like the, there's no one way to make it with the directors and writers that I've worked with. No one has the, I mean, I can't say no one has the exact same story. There are a lot of people with similar ones, but at the same time, they're all very different avenues of how they got there, including like the nepotism, you know, I knew a cousin or the nepotism <laughs> is the way. Yeah. Nepotism. Nepotism is, yeah. it's not, not a factor, but it is also something that very much people are, yeah. they know that it's bad optics. So they avoid it now. But I've always admired about you, Brad, is that I've watched you follow that passion and I've seen that happening in parallel and it's been a quite inspiration for me as well hmm. you know to keep going when you see the people around you that you love following their passions it's always it's consistently inspiring well, i appreciate that man i similarly feel like i don't have any regrets in following my passion you know i I wish I made some different financial decisions here and there. You're doing incredible. <laughs> the stuff that you have on the horizon is going to do well for you, man. I... Well, you know, we'll see about all that. But thank you. Similar to you, I'm definitely happy that I did it. The way it happened is the way it happened. Mm -hmm. But there's that constant feeling of that ticking clock, right? That's that's it. It's weird. Even as you progress, then you start asking, am I progressing fast enough? Yeah. And those thoughts start coming in, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. is it time I do something else? Is it time I make it a hobby? Is it time I stop trying to do it this way maybe i'm happy just being a part of the industry but not direct like how is it for you when that voice enters your head if it enters your head oh it does it uh, yeah definitely like even with moore's void like i think i shot it in the tail end of 2018 and it didn't start hitting the festival circuit until 2021 and like in that time pandemic times yeah hitting the pandemic but even then it like actually the pandemic was kind of what saved me and i had the time like they're like you're not going to work and i was like okay ah. i can finish the post-production on my film and all of a sudden i was like i don't know when i'm going back to work but i've got time now to write a feature so nice. all of a sudden i took six months and i wrote my first feature oh awesome 
Mazel Tov. Congratulations. But that was the case of like, cool, I've gotten into that realm of working in the industry that I love, but it's also the same thing that the avenues are there to keep doing it. But once like being an AD, it's just like, I'm surrounded by so many other ADs and people I work with that it's just like, what's the next gig? What's the next job to pay your bills? And you got to do it and you keep working and working and working. Right, you get in the bill paying game. You're just like, no, sometimes like, they're like, don't you want to work on the big stuff or keep working on the big stuff? And you're like, you know, like I would rather sometimes take the small show so that instead of working on something for six months, I can work on something for three months that I only shoot for, you know, 10 to 11 hours a day. And then I can get home and still have energy that's to do some. <laughs> so many hours. Oh my yeah, God. that's a good piece of advice for a lot of some people out there that if they have their own passions, personal passions outside of what they're doing okay to, to pay the bills. Small jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, it can be easy to, this is not the right word to use for this industry, but to get comfortable mm-hmm. because to get comfortable in the, oh, I'm calling it the bill paying game, like in getting those, yeah. you know, you're getting offered these jobs. You got to take them. You got to take them. You got to take them. These are the big jobs, right? But like time is a resource. It is. And it's going away. Yeah. If you can't get that back, it's a good idea to take into account time and treat it with the respect it deserves. You know, if you recognize that you need the time to devote to your passion, mm-hmm. then you are the master of your domain. Like do it, you know, make those choices. You're still going to be in demand when you need to make that money. It's spooky when you start facing the fact that like, all right, yeah, you, you got bills to pay and you're consciously making a choice to say no to a job. It's hard, right? It, yeah, it's spooky. Like I've had to do that a little bit recently. I was working quite a bit up on a few gigs up until November, but then the festival circuit was coming up and I prioritized that and I've started working on another feature the one that's in the realm of Moore's Void and I was like okay that's important so strike while the iron's hot I will say no to a couple of jobs and I'll be willing to just do dailies for a little while until I figure out that next gig as long as you give yourself the time yeah you know to just get back to because you ultimately want to direct things you want to direct your own work and you want to direct other work but that's where your passion lies right in being that the master of that if you can find a way to balance living comfortably and you know not starving and (laughs) and getting a good roof over getting a roof over your head yeah I don't understand that yet i'm a starving artist so i don't know if you can find a way to do that but you know you're not like so much of it is also just the pride element of like as soon as i started ading i'm surrounded by so many other people that are like don't you want to climb to that next spot or don't you want to work on these big shows and like it was really hard for me to say no to coming back full-time on the expanse so like i was invited and welcome to and i passed on it any dips in quality i attribute to that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah not likely no that's a well A well oiled in there yeah but that was I started working on Kim's Convenience and that's an incredible show. I mean, like the traction that the cast and people have gotten out of that show. Like I initially got looked at being like, why did you leave to go to that show? It's small. That dude became uh, have you seen Shang-Chi, Aya? No, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Shang-Chi is a big Marvel Asian superhero. Oh, okay, no. He was on Kim's Convenience. Okay. I remember finding out how he got that, how he got the gig. Somebody left the microphone on him on, like they left it turned up and I have a comm tech with my headphones in and I just heard screaming coming out of the microphone and it was because he had just told one of the other actresses that he had just got offered the part. And I like, I was the only person that noticed this and I put my headphones on and I was just like, Oh, talking about and he started talking about marvel and she was like oh my god your life has changed forever and i like run over to the sound guys and i was just like this is the coolest thing ever but you need to turn it off immediately (laughs) 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 and next thing i know like simu comes over to me and he's like yeah simu liu he comes over to me and he's like uh uh, i heard you heard something i was like (laughs) yeah <laughs> you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> like, can, 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 you, can you not tell anyone? I was like, oh. yeah. 
<laughs> if you tell me who you're playing, <laughs> you're like, I'll make you a deal. I assume just because I followed like Marvel at the time, I was like, are you one of the Eternals? And he was like, no, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> right, you didn't know which role it was. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't hear what the role was at first. Ultimately, so. it's probably better that he wasn't one of the Eternals, given how things probably, worked out. Probably for the best. No, it's yeah. done quite well for him. But I yeah. mean, like, so Kim's Convenience has done great for itself. But like, I made the choice to work on a show where I was just like, I'm working with very talented people. I could tell I was working with like good, talented people. But I would still meet people that would be like, oh, you took a small CBC show instead of working on The Expanse. I mean, like, I mean, I will happily work with it, but like, I took a show where I could do that and I networked with like great, awesome, talented people. And I'll put it this way like, the dad who plays Appa in Kim's Convenience, he's now like Captain Tiva in Mandalorian. Oh. And he's going to be Isho in Avatar The Last Airbender. He's an amazing, talented dude. And he's just like so huge into nerd culture and he builds all of his own props and replica helmets and everything. And I knew this. And so when I needed to build the prop for my short, he knew I was working on it. But I went and asked him, I was like, hey, you've actually got like all the necessary tools to help me build this thing and everywhere i've been going to wants like three grand from me is there a way we can build this together and he's like oh yeah i'll just i can build it for you give me like two weeks (laughs) brad one of the one of the things i think you well maybe you know this maybe you don't but like people want to work with you because it's you (laughs) that's why i can see that that's very clear (laughs) you know and that's going to keep happening to you so when you have big plans and dreams moving forward for things you want to make and you're wondering whether you should reach out to these people i bet you they're hoping you do because like they're gonna want to work with you i appreciate that josh and it's the same for you and and the reason it goes a long way just to put a little bow on everything is passion is contagious Mm. passion is contagious brad bangs ball 2022 it's true when you are excited and very passionate about something and have a lot of fanfare for it and you're not a dick to everybody about it and going back to the other story and you're not a piece of shit you're not a piece of shit then people will be like you know what he's onto something or like he's really excited about this and I'm yeah like, let's help out it's like the opposite of that energy vampire yeah yeah hopefully yeah. <laughs> that's good if you can do it and then have something to back it up then you're more likely to have people that'll be in your corner to want to help you succeed yeah yeah, I've been very, very fortunate with that with my current projects. And hopefully that with whatever the next one is, I can still tap a few yeah. people on the shoulder and be like, help. <laughs> you know, what we haven't done in a while, Brad. Make something together. Make anything together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's no, going to have to I, happen at some point. I, I'm quite confident we'll be working on something. You're not too famous by the time, you know, I get to. You let me know when your next project is that you're having to shoot in Canada for tax credits. (laughs) I may or may not. It's true that I'm working right now on trying to put together a deal to hopefully shoot a feature that I wrote in Canada. And if that happens, I'm going to need Canadians to work on it. It's kind of part of what you need to do if that's how that works. And that would be a really good excuse. That would be a good excuse, right? You just keep me posted on what's happening with that. And if I'm not having already signed a contract to be working on something for months that it doesn't work, I will be there to help you out. Oh, man. That would be (laughs) so cool yeah yeah have it come full circle i know right (laughs) see that'd be insane remember rachel dodderman that was kind of the same idea her and i were oh i remember rachel dodderman yeah you remember rachel dodderman (laughs) her and i worked at swish la together and we were both like film junkies as well that was the thing we had in common so we were always talking about how we loved and wanted to work in film and then on and off we were like in different circles she popped up i know she worked on a like patrick barfoot's film we all worked with her on patrick's feature Patrick's film it didn't come out but there was a moment like years later where i was working on the reboot of the show heroes so i was working on Heroes Reborn. Heroes Reborn. And then Rachel had started doing props for that show. And 
we both ran into each other on set for the very first time ever and knew that we were doing it. And we just had this big moment where we just ran across the entire set and gave each other a big hug. And we were like, we did it. Fuck Swiss Chalet. <laughs> we, we got out of Swiss Chalet and we're working in film together. So last advice for anybody out there who's wondering if they should follow their passion or go into academia. No, <laughs> maybe academia is their passion. Hey. Uh, I'm joking. I'm just trying <laughs> I'm to fuck with Aya. Anyways. I'm not really an academia. You're a professor, Aya. But I'm not a... Do you have a prof in your name? I'm not a research professor. <laughs> doesn't, he's still an well, academia. Yeah, no, I'm taking that too, literally. Yes, yes, yes. You so. did a PhD. You're still a teacher. You're a PhD. I'm a teacher. Yeah, but I'm this isn't like a permanent. I, I'm giving too much. It's fine. Yes. Okay. For some people, academia is a passion. I'm not one of those people, but that's okay. Is our passion contagious to Aya? Sometimes, but sometimes it's like, how do you care so much about this <laughs> thing that you've been researching for 10 years? Oh, you mean that? But sometimes it's like, wow, the amount of life that you've put into this is actually amazing. So, yeah, more often it's that. Sometimes it's like, I don't care at all about this thing. Some people think it's amazing. Some people think it's sad. It depends on what it is. Honestly, there are some things where I'm like, that's incredible and like good for you and there's other things where I'm like what is this contributing to anything and maybe it's just their passion project so that doesn't matter but there are people out there who are very very passionate about very very specific things and they put their entire they put years of their life into it adds everything together I mean good for them the tiniest little I don't know maybe it's a fixing an action figure up I don't know there were astronomers that spent their whole life looking for planets that didn't exist you know what though (laughs) but it helps because then they it all comes together anyway sure but whether or not it helps the world is that a reason to follow your passion whether or not it helps the world is that a reason is that a reason or is it just in and of itself it being your passion isn't that enough I mean you're probably a happier person if you're following it so maybe it helps the world to have happy people everywhere you were saying yourself Brad like when you weren't doing that you were literally depressed right I was miserable. And I think it's really important. And a portion of it was being afraid to try it. Like it's the fearing of failure when you're that passionate about it, you're building it up a lot in your brain. At that point, like, what do you have to lose when you're miserable? That's what that ends up being the cry. That's the bridge. You get so, at least I, I can only speak for myself, but you know, I got so depressed and so low about everything that I was just, I reached a fuck it point. It's just like, what do I got to lose? I'm either just going to go back to feeling miserable and have to find something else or, you know, I'll give it a shot and see how I feel. So definitely when you reach the fuck it point, but hopefully you don't even have to reach the fuck it point to realize. Yeah. Hopefully not that it's worth it. Like strategize, find out how. Don't be afraid to try it. If it's something that excites you, give it a shot. If you find out that maybe you're not amazing at it, you can at least say that you tried and you've learned it yeah. and you might maybe in the process of doing it, it takes you somewhere that's running parallel to the thing you're passionate about and in a realm with it. Yeah. That's the lesson I learned was don't be afraid of the thing you're of failing at the thing you're passionate about. Yeah. Don't let that stop you from even trying. I would go a step further and say you better <laughs> like you'd better go for that. If it excites you, how can you not? Yeah. There's no other, what's the alternative? Not doing the things that excite you in life? I don't understand. You live a certain amount of time. And in that time, you better do the things that excite you. You better do everything it takes to do the things that you want to do. Unless what you want to do is horrible. <laughs> then, yeah, unless, unless you're it's like murder. Jeffrey Dahmer or something like that. And <laughs> All like, those serial killers out there, you know. They were quite passionate about it. They were like, look, I was just following my passion. I watch, I listened to the Adulted Friends podcast and they were like, you better do it. And I'm listening and going, fuck, I should just murder that dude. <laughs> just, just following my passion, officer. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> you know what? Good for you. <laughs> 
Oh man. On that note, mm. what do you say we uh we wrap this thing this up? This was awesome, guys. Well, we were gonna hear what his current project was, wasn't it? Did we not? Isn't that gonna be the last little? Oh, we were asking about the future. I guess. Oh, the future. Well, okay. So I'm sorry. As I without, said... no, I just I didn't want you to not say it. No, please. That's fair. Without you know violating any NDAs. Unless it's murder. Oh. Well, at the moment, I'm not locked into any TV show at the moment. I've got two things on the table, shows that I'll possibly be jumping onto. So I I won't really say what the names are yet. (laughs) In in case people who are currently working on them are going to be like, wait, my job's available? What? (laughs) Oh, no. So for right now, I'm just, I'm doing dailies on a Netflix show just to keep the roof over my head and something in the bank account. But in between that, with the time off that I have back in the summers, the traction with Moore's Void was happening. I had that realization of when you want to make a feature as your next big thing, very likely you're not going to get much more from a small production company than maybe $100,000. So I went to work with the rules. I wanted to apply the knowledge I had of like early indie films that most people first get into their industry with, which a good example is horror. And often horror is just a couple of small yep. people. In, and it's cheap. It's, it's small, it's cheap. And I'm not trying to make a horror film. I have elements of it that are spooky yeah. and scary in it, but it dabbles in all these other worlds. But I'm using the same logic of like, I need something with a small number of casts, a yeah. location that I control. Being strategic. That's out there. How can I tell this narrative that fulfills the world that I've been building? Yeah. After talking with a few people that were trying to pitch projects for their first features, when he, uh, this one gentleman I knew who finally got approval and got a grant, he only got 500,000 he was like I was lucky to get that I was thinking only? I was gonna get a hundred yeah he thought he was only gonna get that's a, half a million it's oh half God. a million dollars and he was like I was he was blown away that he got that because he thought he was only gonna get a hundred thousand mm. he wrote specifically to only get the hundred thousand it's smart obviously to be strategic like that and you know that's obviously what I was trying to do with impaled you know mm-hmm. this feature I'm hoping to maybe shoot in Canada that's got two people <laughs> you're following exactly <laughs> those rules you're doing the smart thing they're in one location I mean it's gonna be more than two ultimately in this but for the most part it's 95 percent in one location almost like a play it's got a hook in its story and that's a challenge as a director and a writer you're like how do you make it entertaining you're like okay I'm, I'm putting these limitations on myself how entertaining can you make this once you impose these limitations well that's when you dive into your past and you ask yourself like for me i remember i did plays remember it was mr winnicorn's class yeah, you know yeah. we have this it's there that knowledge is there i remember digging into that also when you just give yourself a challenge and you're like I got to do this mm-hmm. in this amount of time mm-hmm. or I got to give myself this limitation. That limitation breeds the creativity Yeah, and you figure it out like a math problem you have to solve. You just figure it out. So if you tell yourself, I need to do this with this amount of money, with this amount of space, this many actors, mm-hmm. you figure it out. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. I'm really excited for Impelled, by the way, man. I hope. I don't know. I see now your passion is contagious, too. The fact you're trying to do a similar thing. I'm thinking maybe I am on the right path, you know? Brad's also thinking the same thing. You are doing exactly the right thing. If anybody I've talked to who gets their first project greenlit, there's certain structures that they've had to follow. And from everything you've told me about Impelled so far, you're on that right path. So I'm very excited for you for that. It's not a porn, by the way. I have to keep telling people it's not a porn. (laughs) Neither was Balls Deep. Uh, Yep. It's not part two to Balls Deep. (laughs) <laughs> part two to balls deep is balls deep to balls deeper balls deeper and then there's balls deep with a vengeance and then live free or balls deep and then there's a good day to balls deep <laughs> oh, i love it writing a feature that hopefully somebody will be willing to give money for that's in the realm yeah. of my short before if i had money i'd give you money 
same here. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be just giving you money. I'd be investing in you because it would probably make me money to give you money. That would be the hope. I'd believe in you. From the number of feature films I've seen make that make no money back. (laughs) It's it's one thing, but hopefully you'd get something back. I like your vision. I like the way you see the world. I want to see more of that. I want to see it up on screen. Oh, thanks, man. No, I'm very excited for everything that's coming your way as well there, Josh. And uh, I'm pumped for Impaled to come along there and just make the schedule work and I can work on it with you. <sighs> we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. I'll be your AD. <laughs> and Aya, I'm excited for you to... Anyway, this has been another episode. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you monster. <laughs> Aya, finish your novel. Uh, um, this has been another episode no. of Dolphins. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, uh, no. please follow us on I, Facebook uh... and <laughs> please follow our, our guest, Brad Bangs Bull and his did I say that right? Bangs Bull. Yes, you did. <laughs> Nailed it. And uh, you banged it. I'm sorry. Uh, and his continued journey through the world of film. Continue following. His passion. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Your energy and your enthusiasm is infectious. So Aww. I hope that you get to keep infecting others. <laughs> oh my God, that's the worst. During the <laughs> pandemic, you should definitely keep infecting others. Way to phrase it. I hope you keep infecting everyone. Keep on infecting the others, yeah. Yeah, I want to see a passion pandemic. Passion pandemic. Oh my God. Oh. That's like a good title right there, passion pandemic. That's not bad, yeah. Mm. I had an old title for another project called How to Ruin a Perfectly Good Pandemic. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I hope, uh, now I'm glad that, I mean, you guys have always known each other, but, you know, it's cool to have this kind of. Yeah, it's nice to actually talk to you and like get see. To, you know, get to know each other a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys having me out here. It's been fun just to have a microphone turned on again. Nice. <laughs> just... What? Practice the radio. Well, we do have recurring guests, so anytime you uh, want to come back on. Yeah. yeah. Any theme, so I'm not just talking about myself, but if you just want to talk about shite, I am happy to take Oh, we'll talk about literally anything. Shite is whole, one of shite yeah. is one of the, a whole episode on shite. Topics, yeah, yeah, episode 63, shite. And you'll be a Scottish guardsman. What was that? Yes, that Scottish time? guard on rain. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> or Martian. I play a lot of guard. Can you do a whole episode where you're just golem the whole episode? I'll do it. Yes, please. <laughs> we'll just tell people we had golem on. Featuring Golem. We're going to talk about yeah. rings. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about things that are precious. Oh, that would be fun. Good. Yes, thank you. <laughs> My God. How long did it take to get that voice? Like, were you practicing in front of us? A- I was in class with Josh, I think. Or no, I think it was the year after we had it together. It was, I first I did it you. as a monologue in drama class. I do remember that, I think. Oh. It took me probably like two or three weeks of practicing and making a lot of no. noises. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to get it That's down. Great. but. It's stuck. How do we usually end this thing? I uh, usually someone's talking. And... Someone's saying something. No, <laughs> it was so good to be here. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs>